Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Night Gallery podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Season 2, Episode 28, The Caterpillar and Little Girl Lost. Hi friends. So uh, the big story this week is uh, Matt is fired. I'm retiring from the world of uh, 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 anthology horror. It's just, it's, it's, every time I think I found something decent, they kick me down the stairs. Here's, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe just pick something you, you've seen you can, you can vouch for. See, when we decided to do this, I thought it was an excellent excuse to like explore stuff that I hadn't, that I hadn't seen before. You know, like we could both sort of experience it with fresh eyes. Yeah. And no, you know and, what? And that hasn't worked out at all. What you need to do is stick <laughs> to the things you know. I mean, there's 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 room for latitude there. Mm-hmm. there there's there's room to move there. But I, we didn't establish a lot of criteria on purpose because we wanted to keep it broad. And I chose my dumb thing, which is I'm going to keep it to specifically science fiction and Star Trek related. Mm-hmm. And you are going to try to pick things you've been wanting to watch and haven't yet. Yeah, which is that's fine. Was pa- but, I mean, it uh, paid off with like Alien Nation, but for the most part, it's like this is not the best. Yeah, and you you seem to have a very particular kind of thing, which is uh, stories about animals that are completely uh, not scary that are supposed to be scary. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't realize that uh, that at the time, but uh, here we are: pigeons and now caterpillars. Mm-hmm. Well, it was an earwig. The uh, I don't know why the fuck they called it a caterpillar. The, it the caterpillar, other than yeah, that's well, <laughs> well, I'll I'll get to that. That I cover that. In my uh, uh, well, let me good. let me just now. Uh, last week and, and on social media also, uh, I mistakenly said we were covering three segments mm-hmm. of this. Uh, I was looking at the Wikipedia episode breakdown, which said episode 22 or whatever it was, was uh, three segments. It was uh, The Caterpillar, Little Girl Lost, and something else. And uh, when I went to watch it, that's it. These do. Yeah, the so, something else fell off. So, And... These two brought it to 50 minutes, so minus commercials in the 70s, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. there was no third segment. I don't know why it said that. So apologies if you thought we were doing three of these. If you were, like, Tidro actually said the one that we were going to be doing is particularly, like, problematic and unpleasant. Oh, God, and, okay. And she's like, oh, I really can't wait to see what you guys think. And and turns out we didn't see it. What we so, think is, where'd it go? Yeah. So if, if anyone else out there was like, ooh, I wonder what they think of that. Well, sorry, we didn't see that. We, what we saw was the caterpillar and little girl lost. Mm-hmm. So why don't I first take a big drink of water? That's not to do a spit take. I'm just thirsty. I was really hoping. Like, oh, here it comes. No, 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 no. And tell you what happens in the caterpillar and little girl lost. <clears throat> Story. Oh, excuse me. Painting one. The caterpillar. You know, I tried to watch Night Gallery a few years ago after having made a pass through the entirety of the 60s and 80s iteration of Twilight Zone. I think Matt may have even been the one who loaned me the DVDs. That is is correct. Uh, The episode I saw mostly involved Roddy McDowell lounging around in a giant plantation house and doing very little. Oh, except he says the name of another character, Portafoy, in a ridiculous Louisiana drawl about 8,000 times. Portafoy. This story is basically the same except the giant house is in Borneo and the ridiculous accents are British. But in the grand night gallery tradition of doing incredibly little is still very much in evidence. Okay, Rod, I get the conceit of your framing device. Oh God, I didn't mean for that to be a pun. Is paintings. But stories still need to, you know, move. 
here's what happens in a sentence. A gross creep wants to hook up with an old dude's young wife, attempts to kill him with an earwig, but the earwig ends up in his own ear instead. There, I saved you 40 minutes. But Al, you may be saying, maybe they used that time establishing the relationships that would later be thrown into chaos by the events you described. You'd think so, person I just made up, but no! The wife, Rona, shows zero interest in the greasy lech who's trying to kill her husband. Said lech spends about half the episode definitely not putting a Borneo-style hit out on someone with a man whose British accent makes our own Nick and Willikins sound subtle and nuanced. Also, he repeatedly addresses the gross creep as young gentleman, which is baffling because he's clearly about 50 years old and trying to get with some other dude's wife. Neither young nor a gentleman. Also, earwigs don't actually fly into people's ears and burrow themselves through the brain and out the other ear, nor do they lay eggs in there, nor are they caterpillars. Geez, Serling, would it kill you to even glance at Wikipedia before you write this stuff? Oh, well. On to our second painting, Little Girl Lost. Something at least happens in this one, and also it features William Wyndham. William Wyndham, that's tough. Who played Commodore Decker in the Doomsday Machine, so that's nice. Here, Wyndham plays Professor Putnam, a brilliant man in a highly specialized field who's lost all touch with, re- with his sanity. Way to avoid being typecast, buddy! <laughs> Putnam was inadvertently responsible for the death of his daughter some time ago and is now living in the delusion that she's still alive and hanging out with him and also invisible. It's pretty sad, actually, but the government feels that it's essential that he continue developing weapons of mass destruction because this is a Rod Serling show, and in a Rod Serling show, the only thing the man cares about is greed and hatred and destruction. It's also that way in the actual world, in case you weren't sure. But Wyndham gets the last laugh by destroying the Earth, because I guess the I guess a scientist can just give you a recipe for a nuke, and someone will just implement it without even pausing to, like, read it and make sure it won't blow up the world? It does end with maybe the stupidest quote we've ever featured on this show, and yes, I do remember, get the cheese to sickbay. When our world goes up in flames, he'll be revenged on the murder of his little girl. And at the same time... He'll be with her in the only way he can. That pretty much says it all, I think. Yeah, well, no one can say I didn't try. Uh, I can say that. Uh-huh. I, like, there. it's too, uh, like, I did the work on this one. The, they're too no, Rod did. Serling fucking, uh, fucking short stories. I, th- these should be good. No, and I checked behind you. I don't usually do this. And it's, you know, jokes aside, it's not that I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. But I was like, maybe he read it wrong. Maybe it was just one list that put this on the bet. But no, I looked at like five different lists and this one appears in the top yeah. like five of all of them. Like, I do e- not. Everyone puts this near the top. I do not. I guess, I guess the concept of like, uh, of like the earwig burrowing through someone's brain laying eggs. Like, I can see how that would squick out somebody. I can see how that would squick out, oh, yeah. say, an eight-year-old. But like. It's, or it's, if you're watching this on television in the 70s, that might have made an impression on you. And over the, the next 40 years, you just like, ooh, that was terrifying. Yeah, I could definitely see this turn into one of those things where it's like, I saw this episode of this show when I was like six and it ruined yeah. my life. Like, I'm yeah, afraid exactly. of this now. But watching it as like a 35 year old guy who's watched a billion horror things and a lot of old horror stuff like there's not a lot going on here. Most of the, like, I spent most of this episode thinking, like, hey, you could just shoot the guy. I, so there's that. But, I mean, I'm I'm not nearly as jaded about, well, in a way, I'm more jaded about horror than sure. horror. But I'm not, I'm certainly not as versed in it. But that wasn't the issue for me. It wasn't, oh, I've seen this before. It's that the focus wasn't on that. Mm-hmm. That happened near the end. It was 
largely a long scene with him and the wife who is very disinterested in yep. him. And then another long scene with the most ridiculous British person in the world he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to wink, wink, not sell him an earwig, wink, wink. And then the last 10 minutes are the actual, like, horrifying thing. Like, the, it, it's written all wrong if yeah. it's supposed to be scary. It's, it's, if it's supposed to be a character piece, that's one thing, but the characters were nothing. Yeah, no, and, like, it feels like they jump to the, like, there's a scene where he's, like, sitting at, at the breakfast table, and he realizes that the earwig's in his ear, and, like, he just mm-hmm. runs away screaming, and then we cut to two weeks later. By the way, that running away screaming is hilarious. Yeah, that's actually the uh, image I pulled for the cover art, is the close-up of him with his eyes bugging uh-huh. out and his head tilted like he's trying to knock the thing out of his head. Yeah. Like, but it's it's like, it, it feels like we missed out on a whole, like, a, a good chunk of this episode could have been, like, that dawning horror and, like, trying not to let the anybody part know. That w- yeah, the part that would have made it scary. Yeah. All the, all the scariest parts, like, it's like we're talking about all the other parts mm-hmm. instead of the bits that make it creepy. Like, I understand you didn't have the effects budget in 1970 sure. or whatever to actually show it going in his ear, but... You could show the the guy who brings it sneaking into the room, mm-hmm. like maybe dangling. It doesn't even have to be a moving bug, just something that looks okay in a wide shot. Sure. And bringing it to the edge of the bed, like you could you could play that up, but they didn't focus on any of that. Yeah, it's like it's it's just spending time with these these very dull characters. <laughs> and if the characters had been interesting, and the focus wasn't the horror thing, mm-hmm. it was the characters, and then something bad happens, that's fine, too. I've seen a lot of great stories like that. I'm sure you have, too. Yep. But the characters were not very engaging. He was kind of a creep. She was not into him. Mm -hmm. He was murdering her husband for no reason because she says straight up, even if he dropped dead, I wouldn't be. Like, no. Yeah, like, what? I'm not into you, man. I'm just going to fall in love with you, oily asshole. Like, And I've seen a million, like, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents episodes Mm -hmm. that play out where the young lovers, uh, young, but you know, yeah. they're they're into each other and they both sort of scheme to, to kill the old husband and mm. that could have been an interesting angle, yeah. but she was so clearly not into it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole the whole premise just, like I said, doesn't matter because like, it, yeah. it's like, why would you choose this to be, like, as a way to kill the guy? You're in it's supposed to be like It's supposed to be untraceable. It's yeah. supposed to be by a freak of accident if you slept with the window open an earwig mm-hmm. could crawl in and this like it's untraceable that way because this could just happen yeah but eh. it just seems like you could get baldrick from blackadder to just shoot the guy for you <laughs> i think that's giving him some credit because baldrick was played by a british guy and if this guy was really british then so are we ah <laughs> come with me gentleman. my lord like seriously he ended every sentence with the well, I'll go over there, I will. Well, I'm going to do this, I am. Like, he added that thing that everyone who does a bad British accent does. So nice to be a, a real person in Borneo, don't you know? It is. Ooh, delay. <laughs> yeah. I was with Kippers for breakfast, Aunt Elga. <laughs> it was real bad. I mean, <laughs> and there were cheesy, like, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a sweet spot mm-hmm. of bad that i actually enjoy it's hard to hit Mm -hmm. but if more of it had been just the absurdity of that guy and then the 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 gross creeps reactions sure that could have been fun in an over-the-top campy way like the second one had moments like that too Mm -hmm. i mean just pairing the two of them together i don't want to be with you asshole oh well we're bound together now aren't we old chum my old Mm -hmm. china (laughs) 
young gentleman. The young gentleman. I'm fifty years old. I mean, it was it was based on a short story that that Serling adapted, mm-hmm. and maybe he was a young gentleman in the story. But the guy they cast, okay, for real. Somewhere between your age and my age. Sure. Somewhere between mid-30s and mid-40s. Not a young gentleman. No. And this takes place back in, like, uh, the 1800s, right? I think so, yeah. They're very vague about it, but I, th- I think that's about right. But it's it's in a period where people were much less long-lived than now. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, he was reaching near the end of his life by those by those standards. Well, it's time for me to die. Yeah, you know. Of like, earwig. <laughs> Before, like, antibiotics and stuff, mm-hmm. people would sometimes just drop dead at 35, and that was it, you know? <laughs> that happened. Yep. Um, But there was there was one bright spot for me, and you probably won't even know who this is, but mm. this was delightful for me. My good thing. Uh, there's a character actor called John Williams. Not the composer. I'm pretty sure he was still going by Johnny Williams back in these days. Johnny Williams! He, he really was. <laughs> if you watch uh, Lost in Space. Oh, God. Did it, he do the theme says, to Lost uh, in Space? I believe I'm 90% sure it's lost in space. It's some old cheesy whimsical space show. My favorite Maybe Martian. Might have been. I'm 90% sure. Mm. Now I got to look it up. Lost <laughs> in space. John lost in space. Yes. Yes, he did. Mm. Uh, but, but the credits say Johnny Williams. Cause like back in the sixties and seventies, he wasn't like, you know, grown up serious composer, John Williams. Sure. Yet. But, but this guy was like the reigning, John Williams in in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a British dude, character actor, older older gentleman, mm-hmm. just just sort of a you know like distinguished like if you want one of those sort of uh, colonel types, but not the kind that like slaps you on the back and barks orders. Just sort of a kindly old British sure. dude. He's very good at that. He's just like white haired with a mustache and very very distinguished. He reminds me of my grandfather. Is part of why I like him. Sure. But um, just sort of hello. Yes, yes. I'm I'm John Williams, and I'm here to help. And uh, what what can I do? Lots of um. Like, uh, kindly detective inspectors. Well, well, uh, stiff up, stiff up a lip. Mustn't grumble. Yes. yes, exactly. And and he's usually plays sort of a kind, fatherly mm-hmm. kind of guy. And here he plays the doctor, and he definitely brings that that level of sympathy that that he can bring. Sure. Like, well, we're not going to kill you because, uh, well, I'm afraid uh, she's laid eggs. You uh, she, I'm afraid your brain is going to explode. Is uh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Fri- and, uh, frightfully he- sorry, old bean. He's seriously my favorite character actor from this period. He was in like a dozen Alfred Hitchcock presents. He killed so many different wives <laughs> or was killed by so many different wives. Like it was about 50-50. He's got a sign in his dressing room and on one side it says uh, it says me and on the other side it says wives and there's a bunch of like tag, uh, tally marks. Mm-hmm. Because I mean that show, that's basically all that was about ever. They found a lot of ways to make that work interestingly but uh, uh alfred is uh not a big uh deal but uh if we could do two more episodes where i kill the w- the wife i can get it up to an even 10 each yes i think we could make that happen. <laughs> now help me get into this conquistador costume <laughs> i'm a distinguished director i mean he, he was mm-hmm. and also al- a monster and also wearing a conquistador costume this week this week now, speaking of colorful hosts from from back in the day, mm-hmm. this this kind of ties into your good thing. Uh, yeah, the uh, so we get Rod Serling to come out and introduce it like he did with with the Twilight Zone. So I, I I've seen a couple episodes of this, and I love the actual night gallery set. It's really cool. Yeah, and the conceit 
of the show is mm-hmm. pretty cool you, too. Like, I mean, you've seen this story as a painting. You've seen this on on that Sim- on that Simpsons Halloween special. Uh, I mean, I was aware of it before that. Sure, but yes, but no, I mean the royal you, not just you personally. I, I know have. you've seen this show before, mm-hmm. but like it's basically a bunch of paintings, sort of either hanging on the walls or doing that Batman floating thing. Mm-hmm. And Rod just sort of walks between them. And, this week, I can't really do a Twilight Zone thing, but. If you refer to this painting, which doesn't really look like anything from the actual episode, you'll find that we're doing this. Now, and when the painting didn't relate to the content of the episode, they would do the trick they did here, Mm -hmm. which is uh, the painting that he's talking about would then be hanging on the wall on the set in the story. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's cool. Yeah. So he would sort of push in on the painting Rod Surley's talking about and then sort of zoom out and it's hanging on the wall in the the big, like, uh, house. There is one moment where it's like, he's like, it's a little thing called an earwig. And the camera just sort of uh, sits on like a statue of a gremlin. And I'm like, it's not an earwig rod. Nope. Not even close. But like I said, I looked it up. The small gremlin that crawls inside your ear and makes the plane crash. Yeah. Imagine imagine your ear (laughs) or imagine your head is an airplane. (laughs) This little fellow is William Shatner screaming his way through your brain. Or wait. Maybe John Lithgow. Let's write that down. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Another 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, was he smoking? I don't remember. I don't think he was. I don't think so. That was a that was a thing when uh, Flonk went back through Twilight Zone not too long ago. He pointed out every single, like, why is this man smoking always? Because <laughs> it's 1959. Yeah, uh, society ran on smoke. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty sure he dropped out of lung cancer not long after Night Gallery. Was I mean, like, let's be be real. Like, how good was he looking? That dude, that dude definitely looked like he was he was shuffling across the screen with a after someone prodded him with a stick. Yeah, but again, we just we were just talking about Alfred Hitchcock. Like the I these two are very much related in my head. Just mm-hmm. if, if for no other reason, because they were both sort of like visionary creators, not in the sense that we make fun of Gene Roddenberry, but for real, <laughs> and like. Uh, who did their own publicity and were sort of known as characters mm-hmm. in addition to being people who made creative things. Like, and Hitchcock was old and fat and he made it work for him. Mm-hmm. Like, that shouldn't have, you know, like, there's a way to make that work and he wasn't doing it. Yeah. He looked, he, he had that orange tan that so many people had. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely Not an option. Pleasant. Yeah. But you're right, the set is cool. Yeah. No, I li- I like it a lot. Yeah, and seeing him, you know, even if he was a little later in life, looking a little rough, is still like he's a he's a comforting presence. It's like, oh, oh, it's that guy. I know this guy. Gonna... He does good stuff. Yeah. Buckle and in, this... Rod's here. He's going to take us on an exciting on an exciting science fiction adventure and teach us about the follies of man. Yeah, sort and of. That that did happen in at least one of these. Uh-huh. That second one we'll, felt we'll... very. We'll talk about that. <laughs> very in a third draft Twilight Zone. It did. Um, and and I'm still going to say, like, you know, mm-hmm. there were probably good Night Gallery episodes. I just, the two that I've seen, yeah. they, they did they did tons. There probably were ones that I just haven't seen yet, and I'd, I'd give them a shot. Yeah, well, I look, they, you know, they've adap- they adapted a bunch of different, like, horror guys. Like, mm-hmm. I picked this one at random because it was at the top of a lot of, of, a lot of lists that I looked at. And, you yeah. know, I figured this would probably be good. No. Yeah, and and that's a good like if if more than one person thinks this was good, it probably was. Mm-hmm. Why did you think that? 
you know, because earwigs are scary, and I don't know. Well, okay, so like I said, I looked it up. Mm. Earwigs don't do that. That's that's an urban myth. No, that's been an urban myth, like, since I was a kid, because that used to scare the shit out of me. Yeah, and I, I, I must have read it in some, like, I have a vague childhood memory of that as well. Mm. I must have read it. Was there an earwig in James and the Giant Peach? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, that's the only thing I can immediately think of that involved insects that I read when I was yeah, a kid, right. but I, I don't know. I, anyway, no, I remember being vaguely aware of it as well, but not real. Uh, again, not a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole separate thing. Like I don't, I, 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 I don't get why one insect name is scarier than another, or like, it's like, well, earwigs have real b- bad branding, so we'll call it the caterpillar, and it'll be fine, right? Yeah, but they're supposed to play on the bad branding. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. Yeah. <sighs> the other thing Just... is, I feel like a lot of the story gets spoiled by. Uh, by uh, Rod telling us about it at the beginning. You know, like, yeah. you go and it's like, okay, this is going to be a story about an earwig. And yeah. then, like, uh, a British guy shows up to be like, right, oh, it's an earwig, so it is. It'll burrow right through your brain, it will. And I feel it's like not the way... that smoking bloke told you before, only stupid. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I, I, I feel like the, the way to go about this is, like, get it in there and then tell you what it does. Yeah. Like, there's, there's several ways this could have been approached and, and turned into something better than yeah. it was. They didn't do any of yeah, them. Yeah, like, execution's not the number one thing here, unfortunately. Yeah, and maybe the original short story was creepier, because that definitely happens where... That's entirely possible. I might check it out eventually, if I can find it anywhere. Like, TV watered it down, mm-hmm. or maybe just the narration was better than the characters. Like, a lot of, you know, I've read tons of short stories that wouldn't translate, because it's all about the way the story is told, not necessarily the people in it. Well, if nothing else, you could definitely improve the characterization between everybody in it, you know? Wow. I mean, that's also true. Because they're nothing. Yeah, they really are. And the first 20 minutes are just him talking to this woman. Mm -hmm. And there's no, like, this was my bad thing. Like, it was very padded. Mm -hmm. Like, And again, I'm all for a a long scene where two characters are talking if they're interesting or engaging. Like, I'm not that concerned with there was no plot. That's not it. It's... Mm -hmm. They weren't interesting to listen to. Yeah. He's like, he's sleazy and she's fine, you know? Like, she's fine and, and doing a good job of keeping him away. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked her. Why did you fuck she off? How about a, that? This was the 1800s or whatever. Like, some, you know, mm-hmm. some time when women didn't have quite as much agency as they have now, which is still not enough, mm-hmm. but uh, hashtag feminism. Uh huh. <laughs> But uh, sorry, that, that suddenly felt like I was being a little too pandery and I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, she like she was a lot stronger than I would have expected on TV at the 70s for someone in the 70s for someone who was supposed to be from like 100 years before that. Yeah. Like she did a good job of like, hey, fuck off. I don't want any part of you. I like her uh, her whole like, well, if you find yourself alone and looking for companionship, uh, please feel free to take a cold shower. Yep. No, she had a couple of good lines. She like she was all right. And like there's shots of his face where he's like, "Ah, oh, she's gonna have sex with me." Nim 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 nim. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> he was very greasy too. Like literally. What's like, that slather? It's like it's that '70s like, like yeah, makeup uh, combined yeah. with like you know good uh, like the updated. Uh, um, oh yeah, it's in HD. Yeah. So. It's, uh, yeah. So you're seeing it in much more detail than it was meant to be seen. You really get to see all of that guy's face. Yeah. And um, he he had uh, he had a weird condition of uh, Captain Kirk eye lighting. Oh yeah, for the whole thing. 
that followed him around, just like the you know that narrow focus where the where the light just goes across your eyes and that's it. I got a note here where it's like where they're sitting in the bar and and it's I'm like it's odd the way the light shines in through the door just on his eyes. It's like I like that effect. Like it's very stylized. Mm-hmm. I don't like in something that's that's sort of meant to be stylish. I don't care, mm-hmm. but in something that's supposed to look a little more realistic, I kind of want to know where the light's coming sure. from. And it like it wasn't it wasn't over the top enough that it's like, oh, well, who cares? Yeah. Like it wanted me to think all of this was real. So I was like, where is that light coming from? See, I thought it had a bit of that like that uh, that sort of surreal reality going on. Uh, if if that's what they were going for, I don't think they did it enough. Okay. Like that would have been a good direction. But I think they they maybe just like uh, pulled their punches a little. And I mean that so might just be because everybody was so whatever they happened to be. Yeah, I, that's that's Twilight Zone mm-hmm. though. Yeah, that like is I true. was in that regard because this was a Rod Serling adapted the script. Mm-hmm. It felt like uh, like one of his only not good. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like anthologies are rough. Like anthologies in any medium. Oh, trust me, hard. I've learned that over the last few weeks. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, in 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 uh, literature, in mm-hmm. comics, like anything, like yep. it, it's a crapshoot. Like you you never know. Like part of a good anthology is a good, like in in books, and a good editor, like mm-hmm. someone who actually like picks the things and then edits them and makes sure they all fit together. Yeah. And you know, and the thing about the Twilight Zone and the thing about Alfred Hitchcock was those shows were exemplary examples because the they were more good than bad but you don't always get that sure and i wonder if like i'm i guarantee there were good night Carol episodes there had to have been but i wonder how many of them were good versus not good yeah Maybe worth looking into yeah or not you know whatever but the thing is the lists are obviously not reliable yeah seriously so you're gonna have to watch 100 episodes and figure it out for yourself oh it didn't do 100 episodes it did maybe 12 uh no this it got three seasons. Seriously, ah, oh, fuck. And seasons back then were very, very long. Uh huh. Yeah, twenty-two episodes or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna look now, but uh, let's see, uh, forty-three episodes, three seasons, forty-three episodes. That's not so, terrible. Uh, which is like a hundred segments. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of right. No, I was wrong. <laughs> Still, maybe I'll just walk into the woods instead. There are a lot of good guest stars, though. Like, uh-huh. That's the thing. And that's probably why we ended up with this greasy 40-year-old playing young gentleman is because <laughs> he was, like, somebody. Because mm-hmm. just about every single one of these has someone I've heard of. He definitely looks like he's somebody. I will tell you that much. Adam West played Dr. Jekyll in one, apparently. Oh, there's an episode I'd love to check out. <laughs> Glancing at this real quick. See, that's the thing. Again, if it had been over the top, mm-hmm. I'd be into it. Diabolical Ooh. fiend. One was narrated by Orson Welles. Oh man, I should have picked that one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, the night gallery. Caesar Romero was in uh, one of them. Mm-hmm. Like lots of lots of people. So that's okay. Thanks a lot, night I, gallery. Ooh, Rene Auberginois. Ah, could have been a tiny baby back then. And then <laughs> Quark. Edward G. Robinson, way at the other uh, end of that. I still sound like this, and I'm three years old. I mean, he probably does. <laughs> I want my binky. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, did we did we talk about your bad thing yet? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, I think we sort of danced around it a little bit. Like I said, I had high hopes for this show, but uh, Caleb Hill is described as the scariest one, and no. Um, yeah. 
like I guess the concept, like I said, the earwig eating through a guy's head is supposed to be scary, but it's just played as kind of stupid. I I will say the only time this dude show, does agony face acting very well. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. <laughs> there's a there's a point in the episode where he's lying in bed with his hands uh, uh, uh-huh. pulled up and just like very silently screaming. And British other British guy shows up to apologize, which is hilarious. That was hilarious. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. See, his his agony face to me reminded me of uh, any time in original Star Trek when, like, a, a, an agonizing sound would happen. Or an agonizing booth. Yeah, someone would throw their hands over their ears and, and, like, throw their head back. And, like, Nimoy and some of the other guys would be like, oh, well, I feel bad for them. And then Shatner would just, like, jerk his head all around. Yes. Like, kind of like that. <laughs> ah! You know. <laughs> okay. But well, I, I, I do like, uh, oh, uh, well, Squire. Oh, I didn't mean to kill you. Sorry about that. Uh, Bye. Look, uh, mistakes do happen every once in a while, you know. Anyway, just thought I'd stop by, tell you I'm sorry, see you around a pub. Well, I won't, because you'll be dead, but good uh, I? <laughs> Can I have your stuff? Oh, just all the stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what I want, There's really. a matter of the other 50 I pounds do. I was owed. <laughs> That's a lot of money back now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Going Australian for some reason. <laughs> what am I, Wolverine? <laughs> God. All right, anything else about this one before uh, we talk no, about we Little Girl Lost? Now, that one was dialed up sort of to 11 to the point where I didn't hate it. That's the thing. I, like, it. it's not great, but, no, it's like, not. like... It's short. Yeah, so it's helps. short. But, like, I was sort of, like, I was sort of getting into it. I felt bad for the, the main guy. Yeah. And then... Which, did you did you know he was the guy from the Doomsday Machine? I did not know he was the guy from the Doomsday Machine. So that, adds, a, that yeah. adds an extra layer for you. Yeah. But then, like, the, it, like, the last five seconds of it... Yeah, 180 so hard. Yeah, my quote. Yeah, exactly. And almost like, like everyone in the episode seemed to realize what was going on a long time before I did. Where, I'm, what? Wait, what are you guys so excited about? What's happening? And then suddenly mm. it's like, oh God, it's the end of the world. The yes. When our world goes up in flames, it's like, oh, where's Vincent Price? This feels <laughs> like a Vincent Price speech. <laughs> Yes, the end of the world comes at last for those who dabbled in God's domain. Now let me tend to my tiny mustache. Ugh. Ah, my ham is burning. <laughs> I, but I, uh, it might have been because it was so short. Yeah. I don't know. There was there was a thread of like genuine sympathy that I mm-hmm. could feel, but it was also over the top at the same. Like it. It was a weird blend that I didn't think would work, but kind of did. This one felt a lot more Twilight Zony than the other one. I will oh, it felt that. super like, Twilight Zony. It like it's got that like. There's no. There's, it ends with the end of the world, it, so that's one. The the most Twilight Zony thing of all. But yeah. um, like it's it just the whole episode sort of is around like a pretty like there's no supernatural stuff or anything. It's just this one nope. dude, like. <laughs> Whose daughter is dead and is oh, dealing with it horribly, and the guy—he's yeah, got a l- tiny hairbrush brushing his invisible dead daughter's hair, and it's like, oh, this is this is rough. And these guys from the government are like, smoke, smoke, smoke. Well, uh, just make him think his daughter's alive until he creates the bomb, because uh, we gotta win the Cold War. Smoke, smoke, smoke. I mean, it it is a Rod Serling show. Even if he didn't write this, and I don't remember if he did or not, it feels I like he, he did, I think but- he did the teleplay at least. 
even even if he had nothing to do with it, it still feels like one uh-huh. of his. It, I can see why they chose it to be in his show. Because, mm-hmm. boy, it felt like one of his. Uh-huh. And that's fine. I mean, you don't always, like, I said this when we covered uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. You don't want subtlety necessarily. No, that's not what the Twilight Zone is about. It can be. Mm-hmm. Like, every now and then, at least subtlety in, like, 50s terms, where it'd be like, you don't realize it, but you're watching a thing about racism. Yeah. Because, but, uh, you know. Usually it's real obvious, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh boy, this guy's mentally ill. This is this is, this will, like TV now is not great at this. No, in the seventies, this is going to be terrible. And it was pretty sympathetic, actually. Yeah, no, it it and like I liked the guy who was like the guy like that the handler? government hires. Yeah, his handler. Uh, mm-hmm. is real like he's really upset about do having to do it too. Yeah, he he sort of takes the daughter mm-hmm. away. Uh, you know, on a on a, like to a day at the carnival kind of mm-hmm. thing, and comes back and puts the guy to bed, and then like closes the adjoining hotel room door, and then has a cry to himself because it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, and that was nice. It's awful, and you feel bad yeah. for everybody. I, I was waiting. I thought when he started crying, I was like, "Oh shit!" There's going to be a dumb twist where he's the crazy one, mm-hmm. and thankfully that didn't happen. He was just crying out of empathy, which is, you, you don't see a lot of. Yeah, like a man crying because he feels bad for another man. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. I kept waiting for the like the pro the secret government project was to make people disappear or something and like oh yeah the, the daughter, daughter is actually there or something yeah and then she died when he took her swimming oh god because you can't see her nope didn't realize she was going under the water nope oh god <laughs> that would have been a better like a better or more interesting story this wasn't uninteresting though no I I didn't hate it you know no I think it could, I didn't love it yeah but it was fine. If, if it had know. been if it had been longer, it probably would have like worn out its welcome. No, and that's one of the things we've talked about this before. I liked about the the '80s Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and I guess it started here. Yeah, this the the segments are as long as they are, and then you know you get another one. I like that a lot. You know, like you're yeah. going in and you're like, well, whatever. I'm getting an hour of of night gallery, and yeah. who knows how much like what that'll be. So, no, it's like when you read a short story collection, mm-hmm. like. They, they're not all exactly the same word count. Yeah. They're as long as they are. Yeah. And you've talked about, like, we've talked about this before, too, like, where if you don't know when the ending is, you're not expecting it. Yeah, for a show, like, for a brand, like, the whole Rod Serling thing being sort of built on the big twist at the end, mm-hmm. if you don't know where the end is, then you just have to take this, like, stop looking for it and just watch. Yeah, exactly. Which is much better. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, you know, like I say, I'm not going to hold this episode against the whole series. Because, again, anthologies, there probably were some good ones. Yeah. There probably were some good ones of Boris Karloff's thriller. It just wasn't the one about mm, pigeons. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <sighs> I was all prepared to make a bunch of jokes at your expense, but you you feel so bad for yourself already. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. It just, picks, it just pisses me off because it's like, I did put the work in. No, I know you did. This is an exciting prospect for us. Like, I'd rather be doing Star Trek. That's what our show is. Mm-hmm. But it is exciting to to try new things. Yeah. Like, to, to watch stuff we haven't seen before and, and to watch it with you who, I mean, I you probably feel the same way. We've been doing this for a million billion mm-hmm. years and we still manage to surprise each other. I don't always know what you're going to like. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, maybe maybe he liked this one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. But you know what I mean? Like. Every time we go into something like this, it's still possible. Because, mm-hmm. like, I have a pretty good idea what you think about Star Trek. I don't know what you think about Rod Serling's Night Gallery. Mm-hmm. We've never watched it together before. Yeah, right. 
So it's it's exciting for the show, too, because, like, I don't know, maybe you picked this because it's your favorite thing, and, like, now I feel bad. No. It's not or maybe you hated it and I liked it. Like, that's that happens, too. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? No, so, I mean, it, it calls back to, like, when we did the, when we do the, the shows with, like, the Gavs, and it's like, here's this. Yeah. What do you think of this? Yeah, and uh, depending on how much more time we have, mm-hmm. like, till Star Trek comes back, uh, hopefully we're going to find out about this this weekend, by the way. Oh, God, that's right, yeah. A lot of the speculation I've heard is that uh, uh, Comic-Con, they have a big Star Trek thing happening as we record this on the Saturday, mm. so by the time you hear it, it would have happened. Oh, good, okay. But they they may finally drop some release dates on us. That would be lovely. But if we have, if we still have, you know, time, mm-hmm. like we're going to get the guests in on this, and then we'll have some of that again. Yeah, like well, we'll have unusual things to watch. I doubt they're going to be all like, "And the Picard show d- launches today." No, my my guess, mm. and I don't even know why I'm saying this because it's going to just be wrong. But my guess is around November. Yeah, that makes sense. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's about how far I've sort of plotted out so that every guest gets a chance to pick something. Yeah. So. And as long as they don't all pick the 90s, that's fine. We've all picked the 90s. Oh, the 90s. I mean, I don't know if I'd take the 90s. Like, I might take the 90s over the 70s, though. 70s is rough, man. Like, finding decent 70s stuff has been yeah. difficult. Well, it's it's weird because the 60s had some really nice sort of stylized mm-hmm. things. We talked about this. They, you know. Star Trek, mm-hmm. obviously, and and Batman that we did last week, yeah. and uh, you know, de- like shows like The Avengers or I don't know, like The Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. Like there was that sort of pop art sensibility, and then in the seventies, everything just got sort of brown. Yeah, it's and like, the same. It's like, well, that was that was fun, but we're not doing that anymore. Everybody settle down and sit around in a uh, fucking library in a big house, discuss things. That we that we'll keep redressing as different locations. Mm-hmm. Now we're in Borneo. Yeah. Sure you are. You hear the rain outside? Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's that's true. Borneo is what that is. The sound oh, I, of Borneo. I did want to mention mm. the sound design on this, uh, particularly the score mm-hmm. was unsettling and not in a way you want in your thriller horror story. <laughs> just not good. Yeah. It was just like this sort of atonal noise that made it hard to hear the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Also, they did this thing where, and I might be wrong about this. I'm not like, yeah, I know a bit about sound because I I, like work with sound, but I am not a professional. I was not professionally trained. I'm self-taught. But when you're shooting a scene where there's a loud noise, like an ambient noise carrying through the entire scene, like this rain, and you cut to someone who's closer to the door, Mm -hmm. the noise is not supposed to get louder. Like... That's how it would work in real life. If you got closer to the guy who was standing by the noise, of course you'd hear it more. Mm-hmm. But in a movie, and I notice this because I don't notice this. You know, you understand what I mean? Like, yeah. It doesn't call attention to itself because it's it's unrealistic, but the no- the background noise stays at the same level regardless of whether you're in a close-up or a long shot. Mm. And in this, when the camera got close to him, like the rain was deafening, <laughs> and you could almost not hear his dialogue. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's not how that's supposed to work. No. And I'm sure there are directors who do it that way or editors or whatever. Like, I'm sure there are. I'm but... sure that, like, I could definitely see that being, like, a personal truth. No, no, it's supposed to yeah. sound louder. Yeah. But in my experience watching most sort of television, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't usually work like that. And, and again, maybe I'm wrong. But the fact that I noticed it means it's probably not usually a thing. 
Yeah. So that was that was something that jumped out at me because like every time we cut to him, suddenly it was like, like ah, stop! Ah, my ears. Oh wait. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I did my quote. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's it for this time. Yeah. For next time, I got to choose something from the 80s, and uh, I'm going to say this. I I told you this before the show. Mm -hmm. Can't promise that it's good. (laughs) It will be unlike anything you would expect from the 80s. Mm -hmm. It is unique. It is uh, strange. Maybe that means it's good. Maybe not. But it's not going to be like your standard issue, like, oh, good, one of the... Like, it's not going to feel like The Incredible Hulk, which felt like every other show. Yeah. Like, this is going to be weird. It is uh, the Max Headroom series that they made boy okay which was like 19 i want to say 87 or 88 Mm -hmm. somewhere like just just from the mid to late 80s and it's cyberpunk it's a straight up cyberpunk show yeah in the 80 like that that's it was barely a genre in like books at that point yeah sure cyberpunk like like, it was a thing yeah but it, it wasn't a mainstream thing yeah and the fact that someone made a tv show about this that that ran for more than an episode I think they got 13, maybe more, mm-hmm. but uh, not long, but is, you know, remarkable. And I remember there being some really unusual, like, uh, uh, directorial choices and things. Mm-hmm. So it could be terrible, but it's going to be interesting. Well, I, I'm excited to check it out. Like, I have no familiarity with Max Headroom other than when he used to sell, like, Coke. Yeah, he was a... That's the weird thing. They made the character, like, the the sort of fake computer-generated... It's You know, it's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't actually computer-generated. They just wanted to make him look like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, and he, they made that first, and then they made, like, commercials and a talk show, and then they're like, but it could also be this cyberpunk dystopia thing that's yeah. actually kind of serious, which is weird. Uh-huh. So here's the thing. They made a short film in England... Uh, called uh, 20 Minutes into the Future. That is not what we were reviewing. I say this because uh, when I was a kid, there were two versions floating around on video. Mm-hmm. They are nearly identical, but different in, in some ways. What we are doing is the actual re-edited, and, and they reshot some stuff too, first episode of the American TV show called Blipverts. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's episode one of, of season one. Uh, very, very important distinction, because otherwise you'll be watching what feels like the same thing, mm-hmm. and suddenly it'll like veer out like, wait, I don't remember that. Yeah. Now, this is not on any streaming, streaming service, uh, but if you if you Google it, if you just type in, like, you know, Max Headroom streaming, mm-hmm. uh, it's on Daily Motion, which is one of those knockoff YouTube things. Mm-hmm. And the entire episode's there. It's been there for three years, so it should, it should stay. It should make it another week. Yeah. So uh, if you want to watch along with us, that is how you do that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. If you want to write to us, it is posttomichorror at Gmail, the website posttomichorror.com, the Tumblr posttomichorror.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, please listen to our fanfic show Endeavor at ussendeavor.com. Mm-hmm. We are very pleased with how that's coming along. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Yeah. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Night Gallery podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this until Star Trek comes back.